Viva la chusma, paseo de Simón Fersán Leones. Thanks a lot, mister. <laughs> I started to digitize the first 200 tapes, and the investigation started to unfold. At the time I didn't really know much, but I started to write a blog where I detailed the process and built some playlists based on themes. The story was compelling by itself, and I couldn't stop telling it. I was obsessed, overwhelmed by my curiosity. I would tell the story to anyone who would listen, and that's how it started spreading. Eventually, it reached the ears of a journalist from the New York Times, who came to visit. We talked for a long time, and even though nobody expected it, months later, we ended up being published in the New York Times. Back then, I was still struggling against the current. There was a lot of skepticism around what I was doing, and this was a huge boost to my will to keep going. People who knew the hurt behind the story wondered why I didn't just let it go. They wondered why I was digging for treasure in a pot full of shit. You can always find reasons not to do something, and in this case, there were a lot. But to me, the reasons to move forward were more compelling. I felt a collective need for it. My name is Daniel Ofredo Rota, a.k.a. Quijosis, and I'm a musical archaeologist, musician, and DJ from Quito, Ecuador. This is Kaife, the lost sound. A Spotify original podcast where I uncover the story of Kaife, a record label founded by my grandfather in the 1960s in Ecuador. A story buried under decades of forgotten memories. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! In previous episodes, we witnessed how difficult it was to find clues about Kaife. In time, I began to find my footing by interviewing some key people in this process, music collectors. Luis Delgado is a prolific Colombian collector living in Mexico. We connected through our passion for digging for records. I spoke to Luis about our mutual love of Ecuadorian music. I wanted to understand, in his own words, what it is that he finds so special about it. Como el sentimiento que le ponían los artistas es lo que se me quedó a mí de la música de Caife. 
What really struck me about Kaife was the feeling that the artists put into their music and the way it was recorded. It is technically very polished, which he says is probably what they wanted, to mass produce records without sacrificing quality. De capturar esa esa esencia musical que es muy difícil capturar cuando eres un gran sello disquero que está intentando pues producir en masa. The Ecuadorian sound is very different from the Colombian sound, which is why I wonder what it is about Ecuadorian music that seduces Lucho's ears. From his perspective, the most characteristic element of the Ecuadorian sound is a very specific kind of melancholic cadence and an emphasis on feeling and emotion more than anything else. Luis adds that it is also important to highlight the value and courage of these quixotic enterprises and the characters that undertook them. These efforts to record as much music as possible, no matter what, are what our music history is made of. Without them, the history of Latin America becomes silent. To me, Lucho's perspective imbues Ecuadorian music with a value beyond our own borders. It is a perspective that validates our music from a point of view that is not attached to our local history or politics. It's a fresh take on music that to Ecuadorians may seem old-fashioned because we hear it often. I love to see how people from other countries react to the sound, how they perceive its joy and the authenticity of its expressions. To an untrained ear, the pure feeling and emotion in the music is obvious. Oftentimes it takes an external perspective to understand what we have taken for granted. Yo soy John Henry Eche. Bueno, soy un joven coleccionista de música. John Henry Eche has been a collector since he was 14 years old. Today, at 29, he has a complete panorama of the discographic memories of Ecuador and runs one of the Internet's most complete resources on Ecuadorian music, Musicoteca Ecuador, a YouTube channel that chronicles some of the best music on Ecuadorian vinyl from the 60s to the year 2000. Tú me contabas cuando hablamos que encontraste, creo que en una radio, eh, discos de, de Caife. Bueno, la primera vez que tuve la oportunidad fue en la radio Pillaro. Nadia asked John about his first encounter with Caife. John explains that he had been digging through a large hall of records from Radio Pillaro, a small radio station outside of Quito, where he found a couple of 45s of the Mendoza Suasti sisters. From then on, he kept his eye out for them, and eventually, Digging through the old collection of Radio Atahualpa, he found even more. The 70s saw a boom in musical production, and new artists like Polivio Mayorga dominated the market. The music from the 1960s survived in the form of covers meant for the dance floor, fused with cumbia in the 1970s and 80s, and Tecnocumbia in the 90s. 
¿cómo sientes tú hoy en día eh, esa relación? Eh, Nadia asked John what the younger generations think about this music, if there's a possibility for renewal, or if it is really lost. Lo que puedo ver es que ese catálogo, esos catálogos están perdidos, ¿no? John insists that it is precisely these lost catalogs that can have a rebirth, because they come back with a certain freshness. They allow us to get a fresh take on the past, which makes them a great opportunity for collectors and listeners. The fact that this music has been gone for so long allows us to have a new experience, new catalogs, new songs for new collectors, which is something that is already emerging. But John makes a good point. As an experienced collector who has been selling records for years, it has to be acknowledged that our market share is minimal and that it will be an uphill battle to get this music where it needs to go. At the same time, my faith in this process does not dwindle. The world is getting smaller by the day. Maybe all we need is a little faith and a little time. I feel like the music is more universal than we believe. We are in a process of creating an illusion, a new way of seeing things. And with that comes the necessity to encourage people's desire for this sound. The new listeners who do arrive feel the power. And it is our job to give it a new glow, beyond the profit or money we can make off of it. Regardless of our opinions, both John and I have gone all in. And at this point, we don't know how all this will turn out. It's do or die. Sí, ya es suerte o muerte ahorita, sí. Porque el que no arriesga no gana. <laughs> suerte o muerte. Bien está. In the musical dimension of this story, the collectors take on a leading role as the people who kept the catalog for generations. Today, Musica Nacional persists in time thanks to the dedication of people such as John Henry or Luis who one way or another are the first to understand the importance of the restoration of the Caife catalog. They are, in a sense, the guardians of musical memory. They are excavators of sound jewels and the connoisseurs of stories, who not only gave me important information about Caife, but also supported and appreciated the need for this work in the present day. Nadia and I went to the vinyl market to try to understand this universe. Ahorita estamos en la Plaza Arenas, que es un mercado de cosas de segunda mano y bueno, todo tipo de cosas se venden aquí y es uno de los lugares principales para buscar discos. Sí. ¿Pero encontraste, por ejemplo, acá de Caife? Encontré un par de Caife, sí. The Plaza Arenas Market is a good starting point for anyone interested in digging for vinyl in Quito. It is widely known as a spot where people can sell their old records, and if you go at the right time of day, you might catch someone lugging their grandparents' collection to sell it for a small profit. You don't always find them in good condition, but it is a good place to get your bearings on the record scene in the city. ¿Qué dice mi don? ¿Cómo le va? 
Vea, venimos a hablar con usted. Ya era hora, pues. Ya era hora. No manda ni el video, nada. ¿Con quién chupos? Buenas, buenas. ¿Cómo le ha ido? ¿Cómo ha pasado? Acá buscando, conociendo. Ahí está bien. Yo soy Luis Cristóbal Papanta Vega. Nacido en Quito el 21 de febrero del 52. Ya voy por los 70 años ya llegando a la fase quizás del media, de la media vida. Si Dios permite llegar un poco. Luis Cristóbal Papantla is likely to be the first vinyl stall you run into when entering the market. He is clever and funny and never misses a chance to make a joke. In the 70s, he had his own record shop in the old town, and over the decades, as business declined, he moved into the Arenas market to sell second-hand records. ¿Y conoce usted Caife? ¿El sello Caife? ¿Sello Caife? Sí. Claro. Ajá, ¿y qué me puede contar del sello Caife? Yo soy de Colombia y... Eso de Colombia. Sí, sí. Es que bueno, cuando eh, la música llegó a su apogeo, no vino solo de Colombia, uh -huh. vino de, de eh, Venezuela, Perú, todo eso, y como son países hermanos, entonces acogimos nuestra música para darle eh, vigor. El guainito, por ejemplo, el ecuatoriano no es igual al peruano. Uh -huh. El peruano es otro tipo. Igualmente, eh, Venezuela tiene su música, como Colombia también tiene su gaita, todo eso. Qué lindo que es que nuestros países, que son hermanos, sigan hacia adelante y que no se muera el folclore de cada país que somos, como vuelvo y repito, hermanos. When I first went to the market, I asked Luis about Caife, and he mentioned my great-grandfather, Luigi. He had crossed paths with him back in the golden age of records. Back then, they used to sell vinyl from all over the world, especially Colombia, Venezuela, and Peru, as they were sister countries. But he also sold rock editions licensed and printed in Guayaquil, from Iron Butterfly to U2. Los brillantes, 20, 20 éxitos. ¿Es el de Olga? Uh -huh. Los brillantes son como Olga. ¿Es Este es buenazo. Acá tenemos los reales. O sea, si, si empiezas a buscar por aquí, muchas personas que pasaron por el sello aparecen in, y en, como independizados ahí. When I started digging for records in the Plaza Arenas, I would find solo editions from artists on the Caife label. Some of them had gone on to have lengthy solo careers, and many became institutions in their own right. Entonces, digamos que, ¿para dónde o a qué sonidos migraron esos artistas? A la rocola. A la rocola. O sea, mucho del pasillo se volvió rocola, y de ahí la música nacional en sí sí se mantuvo. La rocola es a jukebox, and música rocolera was named this because the jukebox was the main way people consumed it. In the 1970s, record production in Ecuador was growing, and music consumption moved from the radio to people's home stereos and to the jukeboxes which became a fixture of any bar or social space. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Rocola Music grabs the favorite genres of elite ballrooms from the 1940s and 50s, like boleros, waltzes, and pasillos, and makes them part of the popular imagination. It could be called a process of musical democratization. Music collectors have been a key element in reconstructing this story. It was them who took care of keeping the history alive when it stopped being profitable. Long before I came along, and even though these treasures were a cornerstone of my search, the process of understanding my grandfather was much more complicated. Record collectors have been a really important part of this story. Without them, our local music history would have been lost a long time ago, back when the record industry stopped being profitable. They have been taking care of memory long before I came along, rescuing dusty collections from old radio stations before the mold gets there, and giving these cultural artifacts a chance at another life. Through them, I came to understand the social function of record collecting, digging, and DJing as an essential part of the musical ecosystem. But my grandfather was another enigma entirely. His clues came from unexpected angles at unexpected times. Reading through a photocopied booklet of Carlos's typewritten short stories, I came upon one that really struck me. It was a prophetic piece that Carlos wrote when he was a teenager and published in the school newspaper. The story starts off with telepathic men who promise each other that the first one to die will slip into the other's thoughts and narrate to them the experience of death as it happens. It is very vivid and imaginative, and quite well written. Yet its final line left me uneasy. What happened to me, he says. How did I end up like this? And it left me wondering, where did it all go wrong? What had really happened to him? Next episode, we make one final effort to get to the bottom of my grandfather's past to see if we can make sense of the present. Mm -hmm.